Hey, everybody, welcome into episode number 99 of the Curtain Call podcast, a production of the Yes Network. He is Yes Network president of production and programming executive producer John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Shackle, our excellent producer, Dan Bassone, with us as well. If you're not already doing so, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the latest episode, including our next episode, John. It's going to be number 100. Uh, you've been there for all 99 now, and you're inching closer toward 100. Do you feel old, my friend? Well, I feel old because I am old. <laughs> so, but the reality is, no, I mean, it's like, what do they say? Age is a number and this is a number. But Even in podcasting, yeah. Yeah, even podcasting. It's like, but you know what? It's it's a nice number to hit 100 and has some really wonderful shows, to, you know, in, in that 100 or the 99 of this is 99. So we've done 98. And, uh, you know, there's shows to look back on and be proud of and to smile and hope that uh, the people who had a chance to listen to them, uh, you know, enjoyed them. And uh, if, we, if we're able to do that on some level, which I, I know we've been able to do at some level, um, then, you know, we've accomplished what we want to. And uh, and we've given the viewer, what the, the listener, what they've expected so or had expectations for. So everybody sort of uh, did well in the deal. Is there going to be a cake for the 100th episode? I thought I heard there was going to be a cake. Didn't you bribe me with a cake when you you told me to come on and, and do this with you? I, I did, I did. So I will ask our my very trusted uh, assistant of twenty two years, Ashley Fagazi, to make sure that we have a we we'll get a Drake's cupcake. If Drake's is out there, they want to sponsor us by all means. Please, we put a call to us. We'll we'll see what we can figure out. Uh, but the uh, reality is that yes, we we will you know we'll do something. We'll come up with something <laughs> funny, and something memorable for uh, for our hundredth show, which is the next show we'll be doing. So that's yeah, right, a week. All right, so let's tackle episode number 99 here because there's about two full weeks left of the regular season here. And flip, the Yankees are coming off a five and two road trip. That is really good. But with two weeks left, many have written the Yankees off for 2023. And you'd understand why. However, um, I try to keep an optimistic attitude here. Glass half full outlook. The way I see it, the Yankees are not eliminated. You can't stick a fork in them until they are mathematically eliminated. There's seven back in the lost column for that final wild card. They have six head-to-head matchups left with Toronto. One of the teams that they're catching here or trying to catch with the first three beginning Tuesday night at the stadium. So knowing there's literally no margin for error here, how seriously should Yankee fans handle this final homestand? Well, listen, as you said, there is no margin for error here. And uh, there's only a finite number of games left. And uh, let's face it, I mean, the Yankees are going to have to pretty much you know, run the table. I mean, if there, there are too many games back uh, for uh, to be real, to honestly sit there and say, well, we're going to win this thing. But the reality is that it's the game and strange things happen. And, uh, you know, teams go on winning streaks and as well as losing streaks. And the Yankees have played much better of late, the truth be told. They have. Uh, I think the infusion of youth has sort of helped them a little bit. Some of the you know, prospects have come up and given them a, a bit of a shot in the arm. I think that's been very much noted and written about, appreciated. And, but I think that's part of the reality of it. And, you know, but but on, was, is it too little, too late? You know, something tells me it very well maybe too little and too late. Because I think what will happen is I think they will look back when the season ends. They will look back on the series against the White Sox and the series, you know, against uh, the Rockies and the series against the Cardinals. And this, I mean, there's a whole 
sort of we have a whole number of series that you know we went into them with the idea that well if the Yankees they should be able to sweep this series or they should certainly be able to win this series. Not only didn't they sweep them, they lost those series. Or some cases got swept. And you talk about teams that they should have beaten, that they were better than. And I think they will look back and obviously rue the day because it's going to come down to that. They'll, they'll, they'll continue. They're going to play really well from, I think, from here to the end. But it's not going to be enough. Is it going to be enough? It's just too many games and too little time. They're really just running out of time more than anything else. So I, I, I think that that's what will, will be there. But you know what? The strange things have happened. And right now we got t- Toronto in front of us. They, they got to have this have to sweep these series or whatever to have a shot, but you can't do that until you play the games and you win the game. So let's take up a series at a time. And Toronto's in front of us. If we can sweep them, then you know we, the light will continue to flicker. I'm with you. I'm rooting for strange. I want strange to happen. Um, whether or not it does, we'll have to play these games out. But I'm, I also I, I agree with you. I think the Yankees are going to finish strong. I think they're going to play hard. They're going to play well. They show up. They do the work. But the, the sand is going to fall completely through the hourglass, and time's just simply going to run out for this team. Um, I guess that leads me to my next point here with you. Is is the evaluation over with the 2023 Yankees? Like, are they what they are? Do you need to see them be officially eliminated? Do you need to see them finish third or fourth or fifth in the AL East? Do they need to achieve a winning record here? Is there anything further needed than what you've already seen to make a final call on this year's team? No, I mean, I, I listen, you want a larger sample size because in some cases, these players, you haven't had to see enough at bats or enough innings, you know, and the more at bats, the more innings, and the bigger the sample size, the more you'll be able to frame this and say, and come to a conclusion where you feel stronger about a you know a, a, a prospect or, or not you know you'll be able to see well he's they haven't been able to like Peraza is a really good example of this came up he was he wasn't hitting at all now he's been hitting quite a bit and you know I mean you look at the numbers the, the offensive numbers do not impress you but the fact that he's hitting of late and, and seems to be making more contact in some cases with hitting with much more authority it seems to have a much more consistent approach at the plate I think that that tells you that he's certainly improving and that's what you want to see that's what the yankees need to see they need to see can can he hit they know he can play the defensive side of the ball that's not the that's not the issue can he hit and and enough to be a, a major league second baseman or a major league third baseman or even a major league shortstop if they decide that Volpe's, you know they have a, a opening at second base maybe and they decide Volpe can play there and he's probably better suited there because he's always a really good defensive player he's got his arm isn't as strong as you know maybe they would like it maybe more suited to second base and also giving them a chance to use the other prospects in a way that they get the most out of the, the pieces that they have to put the most representative team that they can on the field those are things that they're looking at. Those are things they've got to experiment with. Those are things like moving Michael King to the starting rotation to see how well he's performing actually in the starting rotation. They needed to find that out. You don't want to go to spring training and say, well, can we make this guy into a starter? They don't want to be put in that position. If they if they see you can do it now, they have a whole offseason to prepare for him being a starter in camp and for him to prepare mentally that that's where he wants to go. So that's why these things, these at-bats for Volpe, although you know Volpe's played the whole year. And Volpe, if you look at his numbers, you know the batting average which has not been impressive, but the other parts of his offensive game actually have been, and he's getting better. And for, you know, considering that this should have been a year where he spent honestly should have stayed in the minors 
and and, and absorb what the you know the minor leagues could offer. But they, they didn't do that. They took a different approach, and you know, and now there'll be dividends to pay for that approach because you know he spent the year learning, really did learning on the job. So listen, there's there everybody's different. Everybody's applied differently. Everybody learns differently. And the Yankees have uh, they're looking at this and they're getting what they can out of them. They're getting a better read on these on these younger players now than they would have if they just you know done this next year in spring training. So it's important for them. Also, they got to see what they have. Who can mm-hmm. play for their much? Maybe who they overrated? Who can they trade? Who you know? Somebody asked for a player. Will will they will they really wince at it or say, oh God, do I do this? Do we not do it? They want to have they want to have certitude and how they feel. That's why you need to give them to see the innings and you have to have the at bats. I tell you what, the three big things for me all the way through the end of this season, you hit on two of them. You made a great point on Michael King. He's one of them. Oswald Peraza is another, and Carlos Rodon. The way he finishes is another. We saw him have arguably his best outing in the series finale on Sunday against the Pirates. Suffered the loss, had some tough luck hops, literally, with the ball going off the third base bag. But he's been looking stronger three out of his last four starts. He's continuing to find that command with his fastball and his slider. If he can continue to trend this way in a season that's been start and stop, stints on the injured list, ineffectiveness as he comes off the injured list, trying to find his feel, his, his command with those pitches, um, I think that would be a really good sign. You'd make you feel a little bit more confident. You could say, hey, the first year was a wash. Let's move past it. But we know that the talent's still there to back up Garrett Cole as a formidable one-two punch. We have that going for us. Then, like you said, I think what's lost in the whole Michael King transition is the mental side of it. There's a big difference between Michael King going into spring training next year, operating as a starting pitcher, versus going in there preparing to maybe start, but also being ready as a reliever, getting that type of routine down. No, if you pick one or the other at that point, I think that's huge. And for Oswald Peraza, whether it is building him up as a piece to trade or getting him the consistent at-bats now, maybe that light bulb moment has gone off for Oswald Peraza. You never know uh, with how things go in in September. You never want to believe what your eyes are telling you in September. That's the old adage, but you kind of do sometimes. I think that's where we're in that murky spot right now with a player like Oswald Peraza. This is a good thing, though, because I kind of want to see more of him. I think this production near the finish line here, if he could continue it all the way through the end of the season, I bet you the Yankees want to see more of him in a role next year. So I think those are all positives and things that people should be keeping an an eye on as we reach the end here. Uh, John, we've heard that a full self-evaluation will occur by this organization. Brian Cashman said it, reports believe that Hal Steinbrenner is bringing in an outside party for that. Will how this team finishes affect how deeply the organization evaluates itself? Yes, I I do, but I do I do think regardless of how they finish, though they're going to take a deep dive. They have to. There's enough things have gone on, and they've not only have gone on this year, but have gone on for the prior couple of years that I really do think they have to examine the way they do business. You know, they may agree with my assessments, they may not agree with my assessments. That's that's obviously up to them, and obviously they know a lot more about their situation than any of us could possibly know because they're on the inside and we're not. I mean, we're on the peripheral, but but we do know a lot, and we do hear a lot, and we do see a lot, and we do have our own opinions about this, certain most certainly. But you know, having said that, they're going to have to. Uh, they're going to have to uh, take in as much information as they can. But, you know, how they do it, like, if you're going to be so analytically driven, you better make sure your data is correct. And I don't know sometimes that their data is. I mean, that's not probably for me to question. I'm not in the analytics business. And I, I say that very upfront, very readily and very candidly. Obviously, I'm not. And none of us are. But 
you know, I, I do I do question that if we're doing something over and over and over and over and over, and it doesn't seem to be working, or at least certain aspects of it are not working, then those aspects need to be seriously looked at. And, and if an adjustment has to be is in order, then they need to make that adjustment. I don't think that some of those adjustments have been made over the couple of years. I think it's time to you know you, you know you you've got to you've got to see what you, I tell you that you're saying, and you have to agree what you're saying is what you're saying. And then if you could do that. Then you then you have to make necessary changes because you just have to. And I, I know that's very cryptic and very very sort of Magellan like because Magellan went around the Cape of Weary, the kind of a good horn, a good hope, wherever it was go, good hope, right? He went around in Africa, and to get to wherever he was going, and it took him forever to get there. Well, that's kind of what the Yankees are doing since a little bit the last few years. They're taking a long time to get to wherever they're going, and then they don't often get there right now. You know, and their goal is to get to the World Series. It goes to win a World Series. That has not happened in a while. You know, they've had very successful postseason. I mean, to the people who were screaming and yelling about firing Brian Cashman, firing Aaron Boom, I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. I mean, I don't think that changes systemically what's going on. They'll look at these pieces and then see what is applicable from what isn't. Because I do think they have to re-examine this to the point that if they have to make serious changes, they should make them. Because, uh, you know, obviously this, you know, we, we're spending a lot of money. And, you know, I don't know that, you know, we're getting the results that we're supposed to get for spending the money that we get. They have to work on those things, certain things they have to work on. I think they're aware of what they need to do. I think it's great that the fan base is so engaged and so passionate about this. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody pointing to a manager, pointing to a general manager. I'm not necessarily sure that that changes, you know, if your philosophy is is wedded to analytics, then, you know, then, you know, what are you really changing? If you, if you get rid of Aaron Boone, what are you doing? You know, you mm -hmm. get rid of Aaron Boone. Okay. You know, you don't like Aaron Boone. That's fine. But, but they're going to bring in somebody who is like Aaron Boone because that, that's what the system suggests that they do. If you get rid of Brian Cashman, you're going to get a GM who's going to think like-mindedly because that's what the system is set up to do. It, it reinforces the philosophy of the people who are in charge. So unless you really believe that you make, making those changes you're going to, it's going to change the business to the point that what goes on on the field is going to be drastically affected. If that's the case, then you do it. But I don't see them doing it. How is adverse to those kind of things? You know, he doesn't like that kind of stuff. He likes, he likes, he likes cohesiveness. He likes, you know, he likes what he likes. He likes a, an organization that's, you know, that's uh, not going to, you know, is not, doesn't, you know, doesn't buckle. And, you know, even when right now it's going through tough times, you've got to admire the fact that he's as supportive as he is because he's really supportive. A lot of people very knee jerk. They wouldn't have been as supportive of the, of the situation, but he is. It's not that he doesn't believe me. He listens to the Yankee fans. He wants to win as much as anybody. I believe I know him uh, to some level. And I, I, he, does, he wants to win as much as anybody else wants to win. So he's going to do whatever it takes, and he's done it. But I think right now they have to look at whatever it is it takes or what they think it takes and say, you know, maybe that's not what it takes at all. Maybe we've got to re we have to look at this in a way that we haven't thought of it before because right now what we're, tr what we're trying to do is not working. It's, I mean, I'm not, this is not a great revelation, folks. The, the, the Yankees are not built to be a 500 team. They don't sit there and say, oh, my God, a, we, we, can, we, we, we take care of the Jays. We can, we can jump right in a four. No, that's not, you, you, no, it's not that. The Yankees are not built for that. That's not what we do, and that's not the attitude they have. They want to win. They want to win. They want to win it all. And if you're going to do that, then right now, if your philosophy isn't working, guess what? You fix your philosophy. So they're not ready to throw in a towel on their people. But I mean, I don't know how much longer they will go if the, if the results are not there on the field because they can't. They can't wait five years into a rebuild. They, 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 you're not afforded that luxury in New York. So, if if there's a Yankee fan out there who's kind of frothing at the mouth, waiting for the proverbial Black Monday 
after the final day of the regular season, waiting for heads to roll, you feel like the Yankees are more likely to change their ideas after the season over changing personnel. I do. Uh, and, and again, I, I will say this again. I'm not sure that, that a thousand percent sure that I'm right, <laughs> but that's what I think. And I mean, I've been around the organization a very long time now. Um, you know, I've been in the business sports baseball business a very long time. And, you know, 50 years I've been doing this now, and it's a long time to do anything. And I've been with the Yankees since we started Yes, which was 22 seasons ago. So I've been, and you know, and I worked around them, you know, many years before that, when I was at Fox and I was at NBC and I was doing Game of the Weeks and postseason stuff. And I mean, I was around the Steinbrenners. I got to know them pretty well. So, I mean, it's not, I'm not speaking from a situation where I don't know what I'm talking about. But but again, they have the right to change their mind. But I do think that right now they're taking that deep dive to see where it takes them. They will do. They will look at all the data, and then they will come to a conclusion or two, or three or five. But at the end of the day, I don't see them. I do not see them making a move right now. If it continues, they will make a move, but they won't do it now. All right. At the time we're recording this, Yankees have twelve more games left in the regular season, six against the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays are one of three teams, Mariners and Rangers, the other two ahead of the Yankees in the wildcard chase, three teams with the final two spots. I want to kind of focus in and examine those three ball clubs with you here. What do you think of these three teams with two weeks to go? Because it doesn't feel like anyone's seizing the moment in this particular stretch. Well, they're not. And, and you know, they, they, they've gotten hot and cold at, at various times of the season. They all have. Uh, but then they haven't been the same time. So, so, so everybody's been able to get a length on somebody. Then everybody's collapsed in some way, shape, or form. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the Mariners collapsed in the sense that you know they just were playing 500 ball. And this is a team. I mean, I picked them to win the American League West. I did. I picked the, them. It used to be a wild card. I picked Seattle in the West, and coming out of spring training, and they didn't do that. They didn't seize the division. Texas to me was like I just didn't see them as being there right now. And they play great baseball. They played great baseball up until the last month. And the last month has been abysmal for them. They've had a lot of problems the last month. But, you know, the fact that they, they kind of had this division, you know, and it used to was sort of being difficult to shake, but it was really their division. But Seattle got really hot. And, see, and then they, everybody losing, started losing, and Seattle started gaining ground. And they made a lot, a lot of ground, obviously, to the point that these three teams are not separated by a heck of a lot right now. And it changes almost on a daily basis, and it's going to continue to change to the end. So these three teams are going to battle it out to the end. And, 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 and But you have some head-to-heads left. The head-to-head with these two-game swings will decide, obviously, what happens. But I still like the Mariners. I do. Uh, I think they've got the I was I think they were serious they could have been serious players for Otani I think in the offseason when it comes I think they will be serious players for Otani you know a lot of people have just for said well he's not going to stay with the Angels going to go with the Dodgers he could very well go with the Dodgers he'll go with anyone he wants but somebody tells me it's going to be he keeps talking about staying on the west coast I believe that that's true it's either the Dodgers or it could be I don't think it's going to be the Padres because the TV money's not there right now because of what happened in their their situation with their television package, so it's that's not there. But I still think Seattle is a very very good team. They're a solid team. They're getting their pitching is really really quite good. They've got some really terrific positional players who've done a really great job for them. And I I don't see at the end. I don't see Texas as being there. I just don't. Uh, they could be, but I don't see it. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Seattle wins and Houston as the wild one of the wild cards. Wow. And then Toronto the other. Yes. Okay. 
So the Mariners, their final 10 games, they have seven with Texas, like you mentioned, head-to-head battles, and they have three with Houston. So uh, that's going to be an exciting last 10 days for the Mariners. I think the Mariners are the best uh, team out of that, out of that three that I mentioned. I think the Astros hold on for a division crown, but I think the Mariners are better than the Blue Jays. I think they're better than uh, the Rangers. And one thing, as you were talking about uh, some of these players, especially just thinking about the Rangers and, and how much their, uh, their imports at the trade deadline just didn't pan out. I'm saying to myself, well, wait a second. I'm looking around the league here. No pitching import from the trade deadline panned out for anybody this summer. It's it's kind of wild to think about. Lance Lynn was probably the best, but he sort of teetered off and starting to struggle, starting to give up home runs for the Dodgers. So uh, no big pitcher that was on the move at the trade deadline has really made a positive impact for their team, um, has made an impact period one way or another. And you brought up Shohei Otani. Big debate for weeks, months leading up to the deadline was whether or not the Angels should deal him away. Well, his season is over, and I think his career as an Angel is over. He last played in a game now on September the 4th uh, because he went down with uh, a torn UCL on the pitcher's mound, and then his oblique was bothering him. Over the weekend, the Angels said that he will be shut down for the season because of that oblique injury. It sounds like he's eventually going to need some type of surgery on his elbow. I'm wondering here, Otani hasn't played since September 4th, made a big impact on both sides of the ball. Will the fact that he's essentially missed out on the final month of the season affect his chances at winning the MVP award? What do you think? Um, uh, I think that's negligible. I, I, negligible. I, it's There's not that many games left. I mean, he to me, he was the strongest candidate, and it wasn't by a little bit, although a lot of people put him nice years. You could make an argument for some other people. I think he was the MVP if they held the voting when the uh, you know, a week ago. He's is he the MVP or not? To you, is he the MVP? To me, he was. I think he is. Um, you know, maybe Corey Seeger at this point, but yeah. no, I think I think it's I think it's Otani. Yeah. I was just wondering if you thought like, hey, a player missed a month. <laughs> that's you know it depends on know. it depends on when it, if you mentioned Seager right now now if Seager has a, ter- a terrific finish has an incredible finish mm-hmm. maybe he, he ekes it out maybe he sort of snatches it away at the end it could be you know I, I I'm really not looking at this for does it cost this one an award or whatever I mean you could and you're not wrong for looking at that because those things matter but but at the end of the day you know winning getting into the postseason you know performing what matters more so if 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 Seager or and there's other players who if they finish they can really light it up at the end, it's possible they could come in and take it away. But but at the end of the day, it's really, to me it's not about the awards. It's it's really about his state of mind. And his state of mind was that you know he gave it all he had. And I think being able uh, doing pitching the way he, I mean I think that all caught up to him. I think you know he had trouble the first two years he was in the league. He couldn't he didn't perform particularly well. Why? Because I think the expectations were enormous. I think he was asking him to somebody to perform take what takes out of your body. I mean, it's got to take it's got to drain your body to a degree of, of, of uh, that very few players have been drained before. When you're playing every day, and you especially even even if you're fighting for a last wild card, you're in a pennant race, and there's a drain. And especially given the Angels, given that it's really was up to him to carry that team because you know Trout has been hurt a lot this year, so Trout really didn't have the responsibility of carrying the team. And they don't have enough talent in other places. He's really it, and so that's a lot of responsibility to put on somebody. And I think that he's obviously he's a lot of pride, and he wanted to carry it as best he could. And I think he did a great job until he couldn't do it anymore. And I think that's that's it. And so he's done. 
he's done there. Where now? Where he goes is like I said. I really believe he's. Uh, you and I talked to, uh, offline a little bit. I really believe that the Mariners have a really good chance to get him. You know, and obviously the Dodgers are there too. The Dodgers have the money. That he's he's obviously interested in staying in California. Padres' TV deal dried up on them. I don't see them as having the money to to jump in here. I don't see him going to an East Coast team. I mean, unless you know one of those East Coast teams goes up to some seventy million a year, sixty. I don't know where to go. And you know what we're talking about here. Possible somebody might do that. But I mean, then then he, but but then again, who's to say that he would? I mean, we're all built differently. There's plenty. He's going to make plenty of money, regardless of where he goes. There's just a matter of, you know, how much money against how much money. And I don't know that he's financially driven because, like I said, he's going to make a lot of money no matter what. So he's got a lot on his head right now. And he's a lot, we could speculate this all day, and that's all we'd be doing is speculating because that's we don't have any uh, inside information exactly. That's what makes it fun at the moment, John. That is, that's exactly right. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Yeah, We should do that. But at the end of the day, the, people need to realize that that's exactly what we're doing. You know, we don't have a crystal ball to mm-hmm. say, well, obviously he's going to do this or that. We don't know what he's going to do. No one knows. But I will tell you this, I think he's done with the Angels. I agree with you. Yeah. Just for context about his season here and yeah. how, how it stacks up, yeah. I'm going to go with wins above replacement. Yeah. And, you know, the, the data doesn't lie in this instance here. Baseball yeah. reference says Otani has a six war as a hitter and a four war as a pitcher. So that's 10 total war this season. And there are only a handful of players. Let me count them here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's 10 players since 2000 who have amassed a 10-war season. Now, Aaron Judge did it last year, so that's a recent one. But other players, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Zach Greinke did it as a pitcher in 09 when he won the signing award. Barry Bonds did it a few times when he was at the height of his offense. Uh, Randy Johnson, A-Rod, Sammy Sosa, Pedro Martinez. That's it. So Shohei Otani's on this list. None of the names I mentioned there obviously achieved 10 war on the mound uh, uh, on the mound and at the plate. So he'd obviously be the first. That's a pretty nice distinction right there. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's deserving of, of the MVP award despite missing essentially the last month of the season, uh, no doubt. One, just to kind of veer off we back because up we're on, on the subject. We should back up on Judge for a second because – if Judge had not gotten hurt, and then, I mean, obviously, would have, could have, should have, if, mm-hmm. if so, they, right? Look at those numbers. Yep. Look at his OPS, which is the nines somewhere. I don't know where it was, somewhere in the nines. Well, I'll bring it up really quick. Yeah, like 950, 960, 970. Mm-hmm. I forget what it is, but it's some, something like that. Yeah, it's 971. Okay, so that's... It's a, better than his career OPS. That's an amazing, that's an amazing OPS. Mm-hmm. Look at the power numbers, the slugging. Look, look, look. I mean, if he didn't get hurt, he's hitting. He's could break that. He could have broken sixty-two again. He yeah. could have broken up his own record. He's a he's among the top five in home runs in the AL, despite missing over fifty games this year. I mean, that is that's remarkable to be in the top five and to miss fifty games. Think yeah. about that for a second. I mean, when when he's correct, when he's healthy, who's better? Mm-hmm. No, I, mean, I agree with that. I wouldn't take anybody above him. I really could. I would not. There's a lot of very good players in the league. I still take him. First and first and foremost, I'm with you there for sure. Um, two other things that I want to touch on before we close it out, and they're coming from the executive side here. Two of the premier teams, the premier franchises, they make moves uh, with their baseball operations department. The Mets bring in David Stearns as their president of baseball ops, and the Red Sox to part ways with Heim Bloom. Um, 
which move there, I don't want to say has more impact, but what does it mean for Stearns? We've he's been linked so long to the Mets, right? Now they have him. What what does this mean long term for the Mets and honestly baseball in New York? It's a tough one. Um, you know, he's considered one of the you know obviously one of the best GMs in the game, and he is. He's done a really good job with the Brewers. He's he's, he's a very good baseball resume. He's got a really strong background, um, and he's going to have a very powerful job. In the in the because let's face it, I mean you're in New York, the New York team. Those jobs are, are very big, and the responsibility that goes with those two franchises is enormous, and the expectations are even more enormous. So, you know the Yankees or the Mets, there's there's a, a lot is expected of you. Um, you know he he what will he do? I have no idea. You know I mean Buck was the manager of the year last year, and I, I know Buck personally, and I know him really well. Not well, I know him really well. He's one of my favorite people on this planet. He just is, and he always will be. Um, but, you know, I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means for him, what the Mets will do with a, a new uh, head of baseball operations. Um, it does Billy Epler, who's the GM, does he stay? Does, does Buck stay? Do, do they've already started making made some moves in their um, sort of their scouting, you know, area, minor league area. They already made a few moves. Uh, they will continue, I'm sure, to make more moves. Um, because they you obviously you look at their season, their season was not a successful one in the aggregate, and they're gonna make the changes they feel are necessary to to get the Mets to where the owner and and when and where he would like where he would like to take it, but also where the owner wants to take him. So, you know, he's got a lot of work ahead of him. And now well, he also, you know, the you know, the manager's a free agent, you know, Craig Council's a free agent. He's one of the best managers in the game. You know, I you know take another way from Buck, who I think is brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, I will tell you also, you know, council's a really good manager. Does council stay in Milwaukee? He goes, who knows? I don't know what they'll do, but but I do know it's going to be extremely interesting <laughs> for sure. And that you they're not going to stand pat given the year that they had. There were some reasons why the Mets didn't play well. I mean, a lot of so a couple of you can't lose your closer and closer in spring training, one of the best, the best closer in the game, and not have it affect you. It did affect them. Affected that their bullpen tremendously because the starters weren't there to give them the innings. And everything in baseball is 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 connected tissue. Everything is together. Okay. It just is. And this was extreme connected tissue. So, you know, they're going to look at the situation. You know, he's going to look at everything. The same way the Yankees are going to look at their situation and everything. And then they're going to make the decisions they feel they need to make. But they've got to make them and they've got to get them right. Both of both teams, both organizations. All right. What about the Red Sox? Because that's another move that it hits close to home with the Yankees here. Uh, division rival, obviously. Biggest rival. That's never going to change. I thought Susan Waldman had a great line when they made the move to the part ways with Bloom. And, and she said, you can't operate like the Tampa Bay Rays and charge the highest ticket price uh, in the league. And that's what the Boston Red Sox have done here for the past four years or so. Now they're pivoting. Where yeah. do they go? Well, <laughs> they've got to get I mean, obviously what didn't work. Uh, you know, they didn't have enough pitching to carry them. I mean, obviously, you're gonna do anything. You have to pitch. You have to pitch first. Mm -hmm. And you know, they've got pieces to work. They've got some very good pieces at the Red Sox. They've got some pieces in the organization that will help them too. But you know, but that's not enough. Pieces are just pieces. You know, they're like you know, it's like going in a candy bag at Halloween or whatever. They're just pieces. What it really means at the end of the day is that the, you know, they made some moves that were not uh, obviously that didn't work to say the least. Um, and you know, they 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 really hurt. The, I mean, their defense fell apart on them. They were one of the worst defensive teams I've seen with the Red Sox this year. They were terrible. They weren't bad. They were awful. 
I mean, I saw more miserable plays out of Red Sox, and I watched a lot of Red Sox games, or parts of Red Sox games. So I, I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't see defense. I didn't see pitching. You can't win without pitching and defense. No. And, and then they just sort of gave it away last year and didn't really think twice about it, how they were going to replace it. It just didn't fit. And that's where you blame the GM, because that 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 construction mess was on him. You know, it just was. That's why they made the, the, the move to, you know, to, to get rid of him and to move him into, you know, do what they're going to do here. But they have they had to do that because they're most they're a big team for Major League Baseball. The Red Sox are very important to the very important to the American League. They're very important to the Yankees relationship with baseball. That 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 rivalry generates a lot of ratings and a lot of you know, a lot of merchandise sales and a lot of other things. So baseball needs to keep that rivalry nice and healthy. And right now it's you know it's, uh, both teams are, you know the Red Sox are really struggling and mm-hmm. they got to fix it. They they really came on for a while. They they really found a the oxygen tent. They got they found some oxygen. You know they just did, and they really responded to the last you know couple of weeks. But you know but you know but at the end of the day they better make moves because it didn't get them where they needed to get. They got to fix what they need to fix. And they they've got a road in front of them, the Red Sox. They just do the Yankees. The Yankees one or two moves could really help the Yankees. You snap right back right out of this thing. Red Sox, I think, are more than one or two moves away, particularly in the pitching. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, anything to land the plane with before we wrap it up for this episode? No, I just want to. I want to thank everybody as we get closer to 100. When we started this thing, who knew what we were going to do with it? We had no idea. We just sort of decided. John Linton decided he wanted to give me this thing because I'm funny in the office every once in a while. I said, "Oh, come on, Flippy, you have a good sense of humor. You know, baseball, you'd be good at this thing." I had no idea I'd be any good at it. I didn't know I wanted to do it. But I tried it and I liked it and, and he was patient enough to stay with this thing. So I appreciate what he's done for us. That's one. And two is that I appreciate the the, the viewership and the listeners. They've been really quite quite good with us. You know, we're we're, listen, we're, we're not this is not, you know, the you know, the Ben Hur, you know, was filled in the movie theater. It's a different situation. But we yeah, we have a nice audience, a nice core audience that follows us and appreciates us. And Don't be so it. modest, John. Come on, man. Why? Why can't be modest? <laughs> People say, you know, modesty, that's new for you, in some respects. So I'm, I'm happy to be modest in some ways. Anyway, that's what I got to say. So I love everybody, and thanks for supporting us. And All right, that's enough. And Dan Besson is laughing. He thinks he's doing it. But uh, anyway, all right, uh, all right, my friend. Plane landing? Wheels down? Yeah, let's land that plane. Words all right. Crazy. Time to win that plane. Beautiful. Uh, just a reminder, all remaining 12 games for the Yankees will either be on yes or prime. So stick close to home right there. Yankees open up a, uh, their final homestand of the regular season Tuesday night with a three-game series with the Toronto Blue Jays. For John J. Filippelli, for our ma- amazing producer, Dan Bassone, I'm Justin Shackle. That wraps it up for episode number 99. We'll be back with Drake Cakes for uh, episode number 100 here on the Curtain Call podcast, a production of the Yes Network. Take care, everybody.